I want to help us and talk about and, you know, hope we get there, supersizing your faith. Supersizing your faith. And uh, those things that contribute, those, that elements that, that, you know, work together. And I think that one of the things that really, you know, stimulates our faith and builds our faith boils down to how and what you think of God. How you see God. What, do you, what, is, your, what is your image of, of God? And that may go up and down on a given day. Because, you know, it's just the creatures and the characters that we, that we are. Sometimes we have to recover from distorted views of God. It's about getting our vision back. Not always about the vision of what you're doing in life and what you need to do in life, but vision of who, what life is really about. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Your images have been developing way before your words. Images are powerful thoughts of your thoughts and feelings. And before you began to speak and could articulate, you began to function and operate in the world of images. Sometimes it's called make believe. And yet there's pictures and and all those pictures are loaded with emotions. There's kind of a game that often sometimes is played as I throw a word out and you tell me what's the first thing that comes to your mind. It is invariably going to be the image or the picture that has predominance, preeminence in, you know, your first thought. So, you see, if you see God with a club, you're going to view him as a bully. Somehow your relationship potential is going to be distorted. Case of point would be, we know that when we even use the word father, for those that have had wonderful fathers, there is an image and, you know, an endearment that pops up. And for those whose image of father has been less than that, fear can grip their hearts. A sense of betrayal. Just those 
those connections that have developed in, in throughout, throughout life. And God is interested in relationships because you are his special treasure. His inheritance, his masterpiece. Nothing is more important to God than people. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 says, For we are his workmanship. Created, of course, in Christ Jesus. If you see God as a person with unreasonable and impossible expectations, you're probably going to view yourself as a failure. You're never good enough. You're always trying to get the carrot on a stick. Really? Yep. But Psalms 19 you're familiar with it. it says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork and day on the day utters speech and uh, passages of scriptures that uh, because I don't believe we have them on overhead this morning uh, that we make reference to talks about you know not just the bigness of God but God himself shows his goodness It reveals his grace, just in Psalms 19. It lets us know that God is conveying the knowledge of himself to mankind. It's a voice and creation that speaks to all people, so there's no language barriers. It was the Apostle Paul that wrote in Romans, so they are without excuse. We come up with excuses, but we're without excuse. Shows how he cares about man. Shows that he's big enough to create the worlds and the universe, and yet he's detailed enough in Psalms 139 where he took special interest in your development and he knits you together. In fact, I love the passage of Scripture that is in Psalms chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. And as he begins to talk about this awesomeness of God and in creation and, you know, the, the, the wonderment of it. And then he says, and so what is man that you're mindful of him? How is God? Of who he is and what he is and... What he has done and everything that's at his disposal and how is it that he'd even be conscious of us? What is man, comparatively speaking? What is man? Leaves room for thought. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're special. That life can be complicated. Life is a lot like a river. 
It seldom runs in a straight line. Absolutely. So what you think about God is central to your faith. And God wants you and I to see how big he is and with an effort and look for you to trust him and me to trust him. So he starts out in several passages. I need you to look at the heavens. I need you to look at the heavens. Let them begin to speak to you. And in comparison is what's going on in your life. Does it really look hard to God? The fact of the matter is, there's no such thing as degree of difficulty with God. There's no such thing as, you know, hard. The scripture talks about, and as he references us, asking us the question, so we can come up with the conclusive answers that is anything too hard for God? With men it's impossible, with God nothing is impossible, but the fact of the matter is that there's no degrees of, well, this one's going to take a little more out of God. You see, the psalmist and the prophets begin to show us while our measuring stick is found in inches, feet, and yards, God's measuring stick is in light years. Light years. Light travels 186,000 miles per second. They tell me this, and I'm believe them. <laughs> One light year is 5.88 trillion miles. When he's telling you to look, he's just offering to us to discover the majesty, the limitness of the size and the power. It was the prophet Isaiah that spoke these words as the heavens are higher than the earth. In Isaiah 55, God's ways and thoughts and everything just reaches way beyond that. He tells us that you begin to compare God's omnipotence to yours and it's like comparing the size of the universe. And our wisdom and ours, his power and ours, that's the distance. And so Isaiah tries to bring us into perspective. And so I'm going to read, if I might, this morning. The universe is larger than we can imagine, but let me try to put it in perspective. The basic unit of measurement is light year. Light travels at 180... Remember, we're talking about God. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second, which is so fast that it takes 
that in the time it takes you to snap your fingers, everybody do it. There we go. Light circled the globe a dozen times. The sun is 94.4 million miles away from the earth at its furthest distance from us. And if you could drive to the sun traveling 65 miles per hour, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, it would take you more than 163 years just to get there. I think Minneapolis and St. Paul's a long ways (laughs) on a given day. The light that warms your face on a sunny day, you know, on the other hand, left the surface of the sun eight minutes ago. So while 94.4 million miles may seem like a long distance by earthly standards, it's our next door neighbor astronomically measurements as far as God is concerned. The sun's nearest star in our tiny galaxy known as the Milky Way, there are more than 80 billion galaxies in the universe, which for the record equates to more than 10 galaxies per person. As far as the heavens are above the earth, In one minute, light travels 11 million miles. In one day, light travels 160 billion miles. In one year, light travels 5,865,696,000,000 miles. Thank God for mathematicians. (laughs) I don't know that they had all of these numbers back there, but we have them today. Seems incomprehensible, doesn't it? It does. God is incomprehensible. You could spend all of your time and all of your days and all of your calculations and and yet you're never really gonna come to the measurement of how big God is. God is not only incomprehensible, God is incorruptible. Puts him outside the sphere. And so, you know, that's why he said, you know what I mean? Why do you make me like man? He's incorruptible. Everything around you, everything you touch is corruptible. It's decaying. It's growing old. It has a limited lifespan. But God is everlasting to everlasting. He's incorruptible. So while Many things fade. God does not fade. 
The scripture tries to give us a little bit of a, you know, element of of touchability when he uh, references the the, uh, ten plagues. Remember the ten plagues when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt? There was ten plagues. They're pretty amazing, really. But it says that to give you a little idea, that's just the finger of God. He hasn't even got into his hand, his arm, his torso, his limbs. He hasn't even tapped, you know what I mean? Major parts of his strength. He said it's just the finger of God. You remember the Jesus himself spoke about this. You know, as they become amazed at how the demons were subject to him. He said, well, if I, with the finger of God, and actually with the little finger of God, you know, cast out the prince of devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come down to you. The heavens have a voice to us today that is endeavoring to build our faith, to give us confidence in God's mightiness. God's mightiness. Small God or a big God? Small devil or a big devil? Actually, the scripture says the devil is so small that he can be put under your feet. That God is so big that the heavens and the heavens above the heavens can't contain him. There's no boundaries, there's no restrictions. Basically, there's no limits that we can can put on God. So he fills both heaven and earth. You know, it's pretty good news this morning to know that God does not consult your budget to determine your dreams. Hallelujah. Because he's not going by your resources. He's going by his resources. Now, of course, faith is all about tapping into this kingdom and the resources of, of the Lord. But sometimes we take a little too much on ourselves. This, this God, it says according to Isaiah 40, that never faints, he never grows weary. His understanding is unsearchable. You can't figure it out. He's got it figured out. When the psalmist says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine understanding, he's trying to help us point us in a, in a direction. Confidence and assurance. 
You can't explain God. You can't contain God. You can't understand God totally. You simply must believe God. You've got to appreciate his mightiness so that we can recover from the distorted images and views. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He works and is working in our lives to do mighty things. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's the one that has never been conquered. He's a God who's everything that you need. You need him to to be. Why is it important? Size of your God, because a big God makes everything look small. Small God makes everything look big. The story of the 12 spies, the promised land, and how some saw the size of the enemy. In Joshua and Caleb saw the size of God. Not just simply the size of God in connection to God, but the size of God in connection to them. It's got to translate. It's when it translates the size of God in connection to you because they said this, for we were well able to take the country. Based upon what? Based upon the promise of God and the assurance that the promise of God was backed by a big God. Great is the Lord. How can we improve the image of God in our life? The Bible says, magnify the Lord with me. Cause him to become the size that he really is. Make him great and powerful. Lift him up. He's on high. Isaiah says that when he looks at all the nations, he said they're but a drop in a bucket. He measures everything that we read about from the Psalms. He measures it with the span of his hand. In other words, Bible commentary says that's about nine inches. (laughs) So... All of this universe of these galaxies upon galaxies in comparison in size to God is only about nine inches. 
Whoa. As we give God thanks, I believe that God becomes bigger. Brings into focus. As we read about the battles that people have been in and how that God has won them for them. His word and he becomes personal to us. Our faith grows. I don't know how many stories that the preachers in my life and the saints in my life and then the, 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 uh, my parents in my life, you know, how many times I've went back to the stories they told me that helped to shape and frame the image of, that I have of, of God. It was a yearly routine in the life of the children of Israel that God set up so that they would have a regular re-encounter with the greatness of God. When they cast the Red Sea, they took out the 12 stones and they put them up there. And so then, you know, God began to set the feasts up. Time frames within the year and says, you know, I want you to come back. Because it has a lot to do with developing the next generation's image of God. You shall rehearse it. You shall tell it to your kids and to your grandkids. Remember we talked about how that you've got a story. You've got a story. It's unique to you. You've got a faith. That's not your faith alone. It's for someone else in your life also. Isn't it interesting that the book of Hebrews devotes a whole chapter and almost, you know, verse by verse, it moves from one character to the next character. The mighty things that God has done. And it isn't an interesting that he begins, or it begins, at least the, the uh, scholars, you know what I mean, have begun that chapter, chapter 11, with the idea of faith. And then proceed to build faith by telling stories of the victory of faith. The victories of God. And each one of those stories, you will see that they're very earthly. They're very earthly. They're, they're very real to life. I only know one person in the scriptures that got to travel outside of the universe. So it's not a norm, all right? I'm not saying that hasn't happened, I'm not going there, you know? But 
what I am saying is that most all accounts and everything that the Bible records is relative. And by that, I don't mean this, you know, relatively. I mean, it is earth, earthy. Isn't feeding the 5,000 quite earthy? Sure it is. The God is not so big that he is uninterested in your life. And I believe that the church has an obligation in sizing God as best we can to the size that he really is. Church. That's why we sing our God is an awesome God. That's why we sing there is nothing that God can't do. God will never fail. God is always faithful. Because we're not just serving ourselves. We're serving others. Amen. We're serving others. Going back to the the spies. You know, it takes a lot of work to build a positive message. It only takes just a little work to build a negative message. Get in a picture. See, Joshua and Caleb somehow couldn't get the rest of the congregation to see this true image of God because they became overwhelmed by the image that plagued their mind of their size. It's not about your size. It's about his size. It's about his size. The bigness of God. Wednesday night, Gordy did a great job in this capacity about the universe's voice to us. And it's not only recognizing God's size, but recognizing our size. Because he goes on to say in the passage of Scripture as he portrays God in this, you know, huge, you know, Larger than, they say life, but larger than universe. But he says, man is like grass. 
flower fades, you know what I mean? It just has a short lifespan. It, and so there's a humility that it comes to us, a dependence that is evoked. We see the greatness of God. And yet, the smallness of, of man. And I think that's why he says, what is man that, that you're, fine, you're mindful of him? The church is, the, is an outlet. The glories of the kingdom of God. You and I. It's the people. Spiritual retailers where people come to shop to find out about God. Shop for God's goods. And so we lift him up and we, and we praise we praise him. That's what corporate gatherings are about. Is to lift up the Lord and magnify the Lord. This is the God that has destroyed the last enemy in life. And that doesn't mean a lot to the early stages of living, but it means a lot in the latter stages of living. The, the one that has conquered death. He's not only conquered death, but he's risen triumphant for the purpose of empowering you and I, as my musicians come this morning, how big is your God? Because it's relative to your faith. What you believe about God. will affect your walk, affect your relationships. So God's not only large and fast, but God has all-powerful. There are no powers that be except those that are ordained by God. Who is he? Who is this Lord? He's the commander, number one, of the armies of heaven. As you, you know, 
Find those events and times when the heavens have been rolled back and split. And the prophets can recorded it for us. That God has and is in charge of an armies. Armies. Remember Joshua? As he met the the man said, Who are you? He said, I'm commander of the armies of the Lord. Joshua falls on his knees. Though he was a commander, he himself This all-awesome, almighty God. Scripture says that he's a defender of the widows. Life and people are important to God. When I was growing up, and those that are in that age bracket probably have heard it, you know what I mean? But a very popular song was, he's got the whole world. In his hands. Simple, yes, but oh, what a message. And I don't think that I grasped that, even though I was singing it. But that's what the prophet said. Right there, just in the palm of his hand, the whole world your problem and your life is not a problem and it's not big for God it's not as you stand with me this morning the Lord speak to my heart this morning and said you know son he said there's more to this than being anchored in faith nothing can move you you need to be moving in faith I wonder what what are you talking about I thought about that sometimes my my faith in the given area is strong you can move me if you want to Gordy but that doesn't mean that I'm reaching out and moving forward and ahead see faith is really begins to happen when it shows up in your feet. It's got to show up in your feet. It's a function that shows up in your feet. Now, I'm not talking about just feet in the sense, but 
you move in a direction. You believe. You stand and you, you know, you're not passive. Our King and our Master. He really did cause Peter to walk on water. He really did. He really did feed the 5,000 with some loaves and fishes. He really did. He really did cleanse the ten lepers and open the blind eyes. And he spent 40 days proving himself alive to his disciples. How many know it takes sometimes it takes some time to convince us to get us to see? Are you playing like God is able? I mean, help me, church here. You know, seriously. You know? See, he said, some people have got an anchor of faith, but they're not really moving in faith. is able Father this morning would you put a moving picture in front of us put a moving picture in our mind these are not just stories of some fairy tale and something that happened in the past and it's history these are stories and insights and visuals to help us what to anticipate and expect into the future however that plays out in each one's life God I thank you for the bread that's on my table this morning and so I don't need a miracle of loaves and fishes But I thank you this morning, Father, that there are peoples whose tables are empty. There are no loaves and fishes upon their tables. And I, Father, want you to help us to move from our full tables to people's empty tables. And see the possibilities 
to move with supersized faith. Hallelujah. The word of knowledge comes to me this morning, and it's like this. He's saying that, uh, that there's vision, there's dreams in some people's hearts, and yet they have not moved upon them because they've seen, you know, the size of it rather than the size or the will of God. The impossibilities. And God wants you to be encouraged this morning that the deposit that he's made, the dream that he's put there, it's not there for not. But sometimes he's just waiting for you to make the move. You've got to make the move. And I can't give you the details of that move because each one individually is just a little bit different. Just go for it, so to speak. Father, you don't start anything that you don't intend to finish. Yes, we can quit in the middle, but your intent is to finish and to bring it to full beauty and glory of Jesus Christ. Father, I want to repent this morning if I've made you small. If somehow, God, I have put straps of limitation upon you because of my own distorted image. My own effects of life that have happened and sometimes, you know, they've become hindrances rather than faith builders. I bow my knee to you this morning with the intent of wiping away and removing distorted views and images and replace it this morning with a more biblical view of you, God, and your might, and your power, and your anointing. Father, we ask for your help. In Christ's name today, hallelujah. And all the people said amen. 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 Sit with somebody who's got a big view of God. God bless you this morning.